Hey, good evening, guys. It's Friday, October 30th, 2020, uh, Halloween Eve, and this is episode 45 of the Christopher Anastasio podcast. Can't believe that we're closing in on 50 episodes. It's uh, kind of nuts. Um, uh, given when I started this in early May, uh, that seemed really, really far away. So, of course, that time in between has flown, um, you know, from May to October. Um, so I guess that's what a pandemic will do to you is... Uh, <laughs> speed up time. <laughs> Who would have guessed, right? Uh, but anyway, guys, I, I wanted to jump on the podcast today here Friday. I hadn't had any chance to record any episodes this week. Just been a brutal, brutal week. Um, you know, I feel like I'm running a thousand miles an hour and falling a week behind every day. Uh, so it's one of those type of things. Um, in fact, I've never really talked to you guys about this. I probably will in a future podcast, but one of the time management mechanisms that I employ is every Monday morning. I try to do it on Sunday, but it's really become a Monday thing. Uh, I'll list out all the tasks for the week. So I do a, sort of a weekly plan on Monday morning at the latest, and then I use that to uh, develop each day's daily plan. And the weekly tasks aren't everything. They're, they're the major things. And then there's other things that crop up every day. Uh, but my weekly task list is 61 items. <laughs> so it's like... Three five by seven sheets of paper. Uh, let me just see exactly here. Sixty-one items, and I probably have completed no more than a third of them. I mean, I'm just kind of giving a quick glance to how many are crossed out. So, absolute brutal, brutal week. Um, you know, I haven't even come close to getting done all the things that I needed to do. And one of the things I needed to do was do, do two podcasts this week. So here we are on Friday. Um, of course, Friday morning as I record, but it'll hit Friday evening. Uh, but this is only the, the the one podcast I've been able to get to this week. So might actually try to record two today, uh, get another one out, uh, maybe that hits over the weekend or on Monday at the latest. But uh, so what I want to talk to you guys about today, um, and it wasn't the plan. I actually had planned to talk about um, some of the um, e-commerce projects that I'm working on, things like that. Uh, so that might be the second podcast <laughs> I do today. Because um, there's some exciting stuff going on there, but I felt like this topic was a little bit more pressing given some of the current events, some of the things that I'm seeing happen in the news and in the stock market, and and uh, you know sort of the um, election news cycle. I mean, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's starting to make me think that the stock market may be right on the brink of the big one, the big collapse. Now. I'm going to heavily caveat this episode starting now and going to happen again several times uh, hereafter. Um, don't take my advice. <laughs> don't make any investing decisions based on anything I'm saying alone. I would say at most you could take what I'm saying and then go do your own research off of it. Like go look at some of the things I'm talking about. Go look at some of the charts. Go look at some of the news from you know these other crashes that have occurred in, in history and, and you can kind of verify what I'm saying, and then you can then take all that information and synthesize it into your investment planning, your horizon, you know, what are, you, what are your goals, what are you trying to accomplish, what are you comfortable with risk-wise, et cetera. So, you know, at most, this should be like a match that's struck and then, you know, lights your, your interest in all these other things. But please don't make what I'm saying here actionable, uh, not immediately actionable um, to investment decisions or anything like that. So, the reason I say this, guys, uh, and I'm going to give a shout to uh, old Academy buddy, JD, uh, if he's listening, 
Um, but he sent me this chart earlier this week. I think it was like Monday or Tuesday. And I'm going to describe the chart to you in a second. But th- this thing kind of opened my eyes. I was like, wow, this is pretty crazy uh, when you really drill down into it. And basically the chart was um, an overlay of the current stock market activity, you know, the, the, the up and downs that we've sort of seen over the last few months. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where it started. Let me see if I can actually pull it up fairly quickly here, guys. I should have had it up already. But so the chart starts at November 2019, it looks like. So it goes from November 2019 and, of course, to the present day, October 27th, 2020, for today's stock market activity. And then what it does is it overlays it overlays the 1929 stock market activity that extended through, let's see, that would be September 1930. So if you did the same time period, it basically shows the 1929 stock market activity that uh, spanned that period of time, the beginning of 29 to approximately the fall of 1930. Okay, so year and change, you know, year and a half plus, you know, year and 20 months, that kind of thing. But anyway, so this chart had those two uh, sets of, of uh, data points overlaid on top of each other. Okay, now when you look at when you look at the 1929 chart, I mean, it's it's just incredibly eye opening. I don't know if you guys are are highly familiar with it or not. I'm sure, obviously, everybody's heard of the Great Depression. You know the the stock market crash in 1929. But what's interesting about 1929 that people forget, and I completely forgot until I saw this chart, is that the stock market came into 1929, uh, in the early part of 1929, with some pretty big highs. It was making, you know, fairly significant highs compared to, you know, where it had been. It plunged drastically, I mean, like within a month's time or, or less, between like March and April of 29. But then when it bottomed in like late March, early April, it climbed out significantly to the point where by about August of 29, it was roaring again. I mean, it had basically returned to its highs. And then September happened and it crashed kind of, you know, moderately in September. And then by October... And I forget the exact date. Um, I think it was the latter part of October, maybe the middle part of October. Um, you had the, the massive, <clears throat> the massive stock market crash. Uh, you know, intraday um, that that you know essentially set off the Great Depression. So if you look, I mean, it was called Black Monday, and it was October twenty eighth. So so just a little blurb here. It says. Um, uh, the stock market crash of 1929 considered the worst economic event in world history. I mean, that's pretty significant. <laughs> began on Thursday, October 24th, 1929, with skittish investors trading a record 12.9 million shares. On October 28th, dubbed Black Monday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged nearly 13%. That's pretty incredible when you think about it, a 13% uh, drop. Um, and it says here from Wikipedia, they have a little summary. Uh, Wall Street crash of 29, known as the Great Crash, was a major American stock market crash occurred in the fall of 29. Started in September, ended late in October when share prices of the New York Stock Exchange collapsed. Now, of course, it didn't end end because you had the Great Depression afterwards. But just as far as the, the volatile stock market activity 
that, that kicked it off. You know, you could look at that between September and November. So anyway, guys, so that's so, – so when you look at this chart, I'm going to post this on uh, my Facebook page. Um, I should have already done that. Um, I just retweeted um, – I retweeted the tweet that uh, my friend sent to me, but I'm going to post it on the Facebook page. Uh, when you look at the chart, the purple line is 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 the 29 data, okay? And then the, the green and red – is the present-day data. The green, of course, are days that the, mar- the market closed up. The red are days that the market closed down. So that's, that's that nomenclature that you're going to see there. Um, but really harrowing, guys. I mean, because they look exactly the same. That's the whole point. And I probably should have led with that. Um, <laughs> but basically, when you lay these two years on top of each other, they look the same. And I mean, like, eerily the same. So we had a big dip, a big fluctuation in March, April, right, because of the pandemic. And at that time, in 29, they had a big fluctuation in the spring. Both times, the market climbed out, basically went back to its original highs, you know, in other words, recovered everything it had lost uh, in that spring time frame. And then all of a sudden, the fall comes and it bottoms out. It just absolutely, the bottom drops out of it. Okay, now on the 29 chart, like I said, it goes into 1930, and you can see as it enters 1930s, a little bit of recovery, like in a Jan-Feb time frame, and then it just free falls to April. Appears to stabilize a little bit in April-May, even climbs back up by July, plunges again by September 1930. So you'll see it, guys. It's kind of like, you know, these huge drops, these little recoveries, another huge drop, little recovery, another huge drop kind of thing. Okay. So a classic, like in, of course, in retrospect, a classic you know, um, uh, you sort of double top with a collapse behind it kind of a chart. I mean, there's a name for it. I forget, you know, all these charts have different names and stuff, but they're perfectly named only after they happen. Nobody knows these things are actually going to happen ahead of time. Um, although they may have some advanced knowledge of the factors that go into the crash, but, you know, obviously, you know, the, the stock market is a very complex uh, ecosystem of, of its own. And this is something I've tried to, to make the point in previous podcast episodes it is so vastly complicated, so unable to be simplified, that it is way too dangerous for the average investor. And I know I go completely against conventional wisdom by saying that, but the theme of this episode, uh, you know, is the stock market on the brink kind of thing. I mean, that's probably what I'm going to title it. Um, is to remind you guys, if you're in the market, if you at all care about that kind of movement meaning you might need this money soon or you, you don't want to see this money evaporate before your eyes, I would take heed of this chart. I would look closely at this chart and then I would use it as a springboard to think about some other events. Um, and namely, what's really interesting about it and would have been even more interesting on this chart is if it had also overlaid 2008. Now, 2008 is a little bit more immediate for, you know, I would, I would assume the listening audience of this podcast is, is you know, wasn't alive in 1929, but um, also would at least have some, some you know, general recall of the crash of 08, okay? You know, and, and just to recap, guys, between 07 and 09, in 07, I think it was October 07, the stock market, the Dow Jones, like, peaked out at, like, 14,000 and change. It started to degrade after that. Between October and March, there was some activity in a downward trend, um, as the as the uh, housing subprime crisis kind of came to light, uh, but then that subprime crisis started to spread and it, and it infected other areas of the um, 
of the um, economy, where the housing market in general came under pressure. The credit market seized up. Nobody wanted to lend any money. Nobody was 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 uh, trading funds uh, intraday or uh, you know on a daily basis. That sort of thing. Um, the derivatives market that was betting on bets on you know the housing market and stuff like that. Those kind of derivative based investments were were collapsing. So so what happened if you remember guys was in March two thousand and eight. Uh, in fact, you know, we'll kind of do this live here uh, online. Let me just put in the Bear Stearns uh, collapse in March of 08. Um, let's see what comes up here. So, yeah, so Bear Stearns, uh, big New York-based global investment bank, uh, collapsed spectacularly uh, in, in March 2008. Um, it basically went defunct. I mean, this is a, a, a investment company that was founded in 1923. It had been around forever. Um, and they were heavily exposed to subprime mortgages. Uh, so they had assets of over $350 billion tied up in uh, subprime uh, mortgage assets, and the bottom just, just fell out of them. And so in March of 08, you had basically, let's see, uh, Dow Jones 2008 chart. Let's just take a look here. Um, uh, let's see. Dow Jones, yeah, 2008, and that one's a 10-year. So basically, without having to look too closely at this, I mean, I, I have enough recall to go off of, but basically in 2008, you had a big drop in March because of Bear Stearns, you had a recovery in the summer, and you had a massive drop in September and October when um, Lehman Brothers collapsed in mid-September. So it's very eerie, but I think Bear Stearns, Bear Stearns went down, <clears throat> excuse me, on March 14th, 2008. That was basically the day it was donezo, okay? <laughs> and then, and then uh, let's see, we just put in uh, Lehman Brothers collapse. Let's just see what Wikipedia has to say about that. Um, they collapsed on September 15th. So essentially, what's that, six months and a day after Bear Stearns. So anyway, um, guess what? That chart looks a lot like 2020, which also looks a lot like 1929. I mean, basically, you had in all three cases, guys, you have the market coming under pressure in the spring, you know, undergoing a massive fluctuation, recovering through the summertime, you know, chugging its way back towards where it had previously been, uh, or at least getting back some of those losses, and then just shitting the bed, excuse my French, um, in the fall. And if you guys remember in 2008, I mean, it was kind of a real theatrical kind of situation there where we had the Lehman collapse in middle September. We had the Congress vote on the TARP bill. Um, I, I forget exactly what TARP stands for. It was like Treasury Asset something. Hold on a second. Let's see if we can really pull it up here real quick. Troubled Asset Relief Program. Okay. So basically, it was voted on in the last days of September, maybe the first day in October, something like that. Congress voted against it because they said, we don't want to authorize these funds to be pumped into these massive investment banks that helped cause this collapse. It was very politically you know, uh, um, untenable for them to vote for the TARP in late September. So they voted against it. The market crashes like 777 points uh, the day that it was voted against. Okay. So, you know, that, that taught them. 
uh, you know, not to, you know, not to try to withhold this money from the investment banks. So guess what they did? On October 3rd, they passed the bill and the TARP went through and basically the Treasury just dumped a bunch of cash into these investment banks that were in trouble. Okay, so again, you know, same kind of setup as 1929 and 2020 that you had in 2008. So here we are, guys. We're in the last days of October, obviously October 30th, headed into November. Maybe you could argue we're in the clear because we didn't have, you know, quite that kind of collapse yet. I mean, I think we had a couple days down uh, this week. I haven't followed it real closely, but I think we did have two significant down days this week. So bottom line is, you know, maybe we're a little bit off schedule, but are we in that neighborhood of seeing things, uh, you know, take the same track that they did in 08 and the same track that they did in 29? So I just kind of wanted to, you know, I don't, I don't want to spend a ton of time hammering away at this, guys. I just, I felt like it was worth kind of bringing it to light a little bit here, Um and, and just kind of dedicating a podcast episode to it because it just looks so unstable right now. I think when you look at the news, obviously next Tuesday we have the election. Obviously, a lot of people are very invested in this election as they, as they should be. And so no matter which way it goes, there's going to be a group of people in the country that are extremely upset uh, at the outcome. Who knows what kind of powder keg that could be. I mean, just yesterday I saw a headline about Walmart was removing the guns and ammunition from the store displays because they're afraid <laughs> with civil unrest, like people could come in and grab the guns and ammunition. So just some really incredible headlines, guys. I mean, like, you know, I've lived 44 plus years and I've, I mean, nothing even comes close to this. I mean, yeah, there was, you know, there, there's always been unrest with certain decisions that the country's making politically or the direction it's going in. Uh, you know, people didn't like, you know, some of Reagan's decisions, his small, and I'm, I'm really talking about from when I first became at all politically conscious, like when I even started paying attention on the lowest level, which probably happened during the Reagan administration. But, you know, you had a, a couple little things there, you know, Iran-Contra, you know, Cold War stuff. I mean, it was, it was always some back and forth on that. Um, you know, during Clinton's years, fairly quiet, but there were, you know, uh, rumblings about his character and all, and, you know, the, the nation went through a very divisive time uh, when he was impeached. Uh, then, of course, 9-11, we had like a month or two of solidarity. And then, you know, uh, everybody polarized either for or against George Bush's decisions to go to Iraq and Afghanistan. So I don't want to I don't want to gloss over past history. I mean, we have had times in this country where things have been volatile, things have been unstable. People have disagreed vehemently. So I don't want to say like oh, it's never happened before, you know, whatever. But. I don't think during that time that there were any headlines about, you know, people squaring off against each other and killing each other or stealing guns from Walmart and shooting up, you know, uh, various protests, um, you know, things like that. I mean, I think the headlines have gotten a little bit further towards the extreme, I think would be a fair statement, right? You know, I, I mean, just the other day, guys, I almost forgot this, uh, a crazy, crazy story that I saw, I probably could have done a whole podcast about this, actually. Um, but these two guys who, um, who like measure political instability, um, and they, they, they basically were employed by the United States government to predict when other countries would collapse politically. Okay, they had like a whole series of factors they took into account, not just like who's president. I mean, I think, you know, we're looking at this kind of from an election standpoint, like, oh, if it's Trump, it'll collapse for one reason. If it's not Trump, it'll collapse for another reason. But they looked at a variety of factors that blended together. What was the country 
you know, at economically? Like, where were they economically? How much debt were they carrying? Were wages stagnant? Were rich people getting much richer at a much faster and faster pace without paying their share of taxes, without contributing back to society? You know, things like that. Like, I mean, it also took into account, I think, who the leadership was and all those sorts of things, uh, which you can then look at as like a Trump-Biden question. Um, but they, they, were, they had a formula that they used to correctly predict political collapse 80% of the time, okay? I mean, these guys got, they got it right eight out of 10 times. And when they use the same analysis and the same formula on the United States, um, they, they see the United States as like where we were in 1860. And I'm sure you guys remember in 1861, we had the Civil War. So, I mean, they basically said like the United States was so destabilized that it was as if we were on the eve of a civil war. I mean, I'm not even joking about this stuff, guys. I mean, like, this is pretty crazy. So you see the Walmart headline. You see that headline. Of course, a lot of different election headlines, uh, you know, just of, uh, in and of themselves. And I got to say, guys, and I've talked about this guy a lot on this podcast, Nassim Taleb. But, man, it sure feels like it's Thanksgiving Eve and we're a bunch of turkeys. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's his, that's his analogy, for the black swan event, you know, the, the big event that changes everything, right? That nobody saw coming going into it, but everybody saw coming going out of it, right? With retrospect. And of course, the, you know, the funny analogy that he uses is the idea of a turkey that has a very enjoyable life for, you know, the first 11 and a half months of the year, you know, gets fattened up, relaxing, hanging out on the farm, and then all of a sudden, it gets grabbed by the throat and its head gets chopped off on Thanksgiving Eve, okay, as it gets ready for the big feast. Okay, so, so it kind of feels like that's where we are, right? And I would kind of close this podcast, guys, you know, just with some practical, I wouldn't even call it advice. This is just a practical observation that you can then do whatever you're going to do with. And that practical observation is I... There is, I mean, you could not pay me to come back into the stock market to take even a dollar that I've earned with any kind of labor and put it into the stock market. It is already, in my opinion, uh, way too complicated, way too opaque, meaning we can't see what really makes it tick. We think we can. We think we can. We have all kinds of headlines every day that, you know, one or two factors explains everything. But we are way oversimplifying the equation we are way underestimating the volatility and the incredible degree of fluctuation that can occur in this kind of ecosystem where you have multiple, and I mean, that's, that's an understatement, you know, multiple, a plethora, a myriad economic factors and inputs interconnected with each other, interacting with each other on a daily, minute-to-minute, second-to-second basis. Uh, and as I've mentioned in at least one other podcast, when you have these sort of um, these, these these kind of markets where it's hyper liquid, I mean, you can liquefy, excuse me, you can liquidate an investment position in under a second, right? You can you can you can just give in to that knee jerk reaction, liquidate your position instantly, right? So you have hyper liquid markets like the stock market, combined with herd mentality people panicking all at the same time, people reacting generally at the same time to the next headline, to the next news event, to the next 
you know, uh, uh, political uprising, whatever the case might be. You put all that together. I mean, that is a witch's brew of a, an investment in a vehicle I just want nothing to do with. Um, and I have said before, guys, there's no perfect investment. It's not like, oh, you guys are over in the stock market. Well, you should be over here uh, where you can you know, invest your money more perfectly. No such thing. I mean, sometimes I wonder if there's anything that you can invest your money in that, that's actually going to be you know, a normal, safe, kind of you know, normal behaving kind of investment. I mean, when you have the kind of distortion that we have in the uh, in the world economy from central banks and you know uh, you know setting interest rates artificially, printing money, you know it's so distorted, it's so you know it's so off kilter that you really can make an argument that nothing is a good investment, that nothing has any predictability to it. So I, I recognize that, I see that, uh, but just for me. I think when I look at the track record of the stock market, I look at this chart that I'm going to post for you guys on Facebook, um, you know, I'll tweet it out as well. Um, it's, it's really just a game that I want nothing to do. I do not want to play that game. I don't want to put any assets at risk in there. I, I simply at this point, again, this is my opinion, guys. It's not that I think that the stock market is going to be, you know, is going to crash and, and the wealth is going to transfer from, you know, the turkeys to the, to the farm owners, right? I know it is. Okay, I know it is. I know it is because you just need to look at history and you just need to look at about every 8 to 12 years. That's exactly what happens. You fatten up the calf, you chop its head off. You fatten up the calf, you chop its head off. So our head is about to get chopped off, guys. I mean, you know, and I say our, I mean the average investor collectively uh, invested in the stock market. So I just wanted to sort of call attention to that, guys. I mean, I hadn't, I, I don't think I talked about the stock market for many episodes now, maybe, maybe 10 plus actually. Uh, since I really kind of spent any time on it. But just, you know, seeing these headlines, you know, political instability, Walmart, election, all this kind of stuff, combined with that 1929 overlay chart, I was like, you know, hey, let me do a a podcast about this real quick and kind of get some of my thoughts out there. Um, I mean, I could go on forever about, you know, the the technicalities of the market and how, you know, how volatile it can be and how, you know, different movements we've seen in history and, you know, the way it comports with Taleb's, you know, analysis of black swan events and so forth. I mean, we could spend forever digging through all that data and all those historical anecdotes. But I think suffice it to say, guys, I'd encourage you to look at 1929. Encourage you, of course, to look at this chart that shows 1929 next to 2020. Uh, take a look at 2008. Looks exactly the same, basically. I mean, there's some variance there, uh, but generally the same pattern as the year goes by. Um, and just think about it. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're many, 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 many years away from retirement, you don't really care, you're going to buy into the crash and, and, and build up your shares and so forth. Yeah, you can, you can turn a lemon into some lemonade uh, by doing that. But, you know, just get ready, guys. I mean, if you don't remember, if you need a refresher, most people's portfolios went down by about 50%. I mean, just on average. I think some people who were maybe a little more conservative were probably like in the 30 to 40% range. And some people who were like heavily exposed to high risk investments like subprime and derivatives and credit default swaps and all that kind of stuff, they probably saw their portfolio go down, you know, 60 plus percent. Okay, so there's a big range there. But let's just say on average, if you just talk to somebody on the street, their 401k, their IRA plunged about 50% uh, between the fall of 07 and the spring of 09, because that's where, you know, you had the the tipping point from the the October 2007 high to the uh, March 2009 low. But somewhere along those 18 months, uh, most people lost half their portfolio. So you got to ask yourself that. I mean, just, you know, I'll finish with this thought. 
go, you know, if, if you really want to get into this, guys, and you want to and you want to look closely at what I'm saying, step one, open up your 401k, open up your IRA, take the number you see at the bottom and divide it by two and say, am I comfortable with that happening over the next year, you know, two years? Um, is that okay? And if it's okay, because you don't need the money for 30 years, then yeah, keep, just keep buying. I mean, believe me, you know, stuff is going to go on sale here pretty soon. <laughs> so just buy into it. Just buy all the shares on sale as the market crashes and bottoms out. But if you think you need that money anytime soon, or if you just can't stand the pain of seeing it shrink by 50%, um, I think you should you should use this podcast maybe as the, the, the lighter fluid to go and do that, that research, look at some of these previous crashes, look at some of these previous years, and just go from there and, and make your own decision based on your investment objectives, your horizon, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. I want to stay under 30 minutes, but I uh, appreciate you guys listening to this. I would love to hear feedback. I mean, if you guys think it's different, um, you know, you, in defense of the stock market or you see things differently historically in terms of the difference between now and then, uh, would love the feedback. Would love to um, uh, to talk to you guys about it. Um, and, uh, you know, just reach out to me, Twitter at CJ Anastasio. Facebook at Christopher Anastasio LLC, um, and uh, you know would would be happy to hear from you and you know share my thoughts with you. So once again, guys, happy Friday. Hope everybody has a great weekend, great Halloween. Uh, if you celebrate that, uh, not sure what you can do during the pandemic <laughs> with it, but um, anyway, hope everybody has a great weekend. Um, again, I might have another podcast coming out behind this one either over the weekend or on Monday that I'll record today, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but anyway, thanks again, guys. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you. Uh, uh, giving feedback on the, the podcast in this episode in particular. And have a great weekend, guys. Stay safe. Thanks. Bye-bye.